Greetings, saints, in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful honor, once again, um, to come and share the Word of God with you. Amen. I hope you are excited and ready to receive the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Holy Spirit help us and grant us the understanding. Amen. Um. I'm going to be speaking on, I was not sure how to phrase my topic, but simply put, I said, experiencing an encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. Experiencing an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Uh, I teach Sunday school, and I have learned so much from these little kids. I teach the very small ones, the four year olds, four, five, six year olds, and it's amazing how much they can grasp and what great understanding they have. And I too learn from them. Sometimes they correct me. The other time we had a, we did a sketch, that account um Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den. So I wanted some to act the part of Daniel and then others to act the part of the lions, and one to be an en- the angel, and one to be God. So as I was trying to try and um, give as many of them as possible a chance to play a role, because that was the exciting part for them to act, I ran out of boys, and I was left with girls, and we, ha- we needed the part of God to be filled. And then I asked one of the girls, can you play God? And she said, but no, teacher, God is not a girl. <laughs> so they, they, they understand these things. They know these things. So I do not take it for granted teaching them the word of God and how amazing those little minds work. So teach them well. Teach them well and even the way you conduct yourselves in front of them. Conduct yourselves in a manner that is pleasing unto the Lord because they copy what they see from you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. But the reason I'm mentioning that I'm a Sunday school teacher, as I'm going through this uh, teaching for today, I want you to take your notes in a certain way. I wrote a little thing. It's, you can come afterwards and look at my notes. Um, I'm going to be talking about experiencing an encounter with Jesus, and I'm going to use a couple of stories from the Bible, a couple of accounts from the Bible. And we will look at how these people had an encounter with Jesus and how their lives were before they met Jesus and after they met Jesus. Hallelujah. And as I was preparing yesterday, um, I wrote, I just made a little thing. I was trying to make a color. Yeah, where the one side, right, my right hand side (laughs) will be the person's life before they met Jesus, and then the left hand side will be after they met Jesus. So as I go along, you can just write the topic, maybe about the story that I'm going to be sharing on, and then make, write a little, yeah, it looks like a cross, ne? Yeah. So it's Christ there and the cross. So that side of the cross, what the person went through and how they were, and this side of the cross, how their life changed. Hallelujah. And as we go through this teaching, 
think about your life as well. If you have received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, how was your life before Christ and how is it after Christ? Are the two comparable? Is it worth it going back to the life you lived before Christ? Or is the life that you are now experiencing Christ far better than what it used to be? Hallelujah. Okay, let's start with the story of Zacchaeus. So, yeah, Zacchaeus. <laughs> uh, we will read from Luke chapter 19. We'll be reading from verse 1 to 9. We're going to read a lot of scriptures, mainly from the New Testament. And some of them, the stories, I will just relate them. Others we will read through. So Luke chapter 9, 19, sorry, Luke 19. Uh, can we have somebody who will help to read for us? We can read Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 9. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Hallelujah. So here is a man who was a chief tax collector. And many times when the Bible speaks of these tax collectors, they are painted in a not very good light. They are spoken of as sinners, people who used to rob God. Yes, they were collecting tax, but they were doing it in a hush and sometimes in a manner that was not right. So in the community that, where they were in, they were considered to be robbers, people who steal from the poor. And now Zacchaeus hears that Jesus will be passing by. And the Bible says that he was a short man. So he wanted to have a glance at Jesus, this Jesus who is always spoken of. And because he was a short man, he climbs onto the tree so that he can have a better look at Jesus. Now, his eagerness to, to see Jesus, his eagerness to have a glance at this great man that is spoken of, 
it caught Jesus' attention. You can imagine had he just been amongst the crowd as Jesus was passing by and him being a short man, he might not have been able to see him. But in my thought, I'm thinking in the midst of a crowd and then going to climb a tree, it's something that is not very decent or something that a person who is respected and you know all of that would do but he chose to do that he, cho he chose to stand out amongst the crowd just so that he can see this Jesus and what was important is that Jesus saw him Jesus was moved by his eagerness and his desire to see this Jesus and not only hear about him, but to see him for himself. And because Jesus saw him, he called unto him and he said to him that today I'm going to be a guest at your house. And this was, it did not settle very well with the people who heard Jesus now saying that he's going to eat with this man. They, they were shocked and said, yo, he's going to eat with a sinner. He's going to eat with a tax collector. But Jesus had a better plan about Zacchaeus' life in his mind. And when he spoke to him and said that he's going to be a guest at his house, um, Zacchaeus, surprised at this, I believe maybe he thought to himself, a sinner like I am, having the honor of Jesus coming to be a guest in my house. And then he, say, he came down and all the people started talking about how much he, of a sinner he was. And immediately, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, in verse 8, Here and now I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. I believe here a moment happened in the life of Zacchaeus where he realized and he understood what Jesus had said to the rich young man who met Jesus one day and said, Teacher, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, he spoke to him about the law, that you must love your God with all your heart, love your neighbors. And he said, but I already do that. And then he said to him, go and sell all that you possess. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And come and follow me. But it was too great a thing for this rich young man to do. The Bible says that he went back sad. And he didn't want to follow Jesus. Because he didn't want to separate himself with the world and all his possessions. But at this moment where Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. When Jesus took notice of him. And a sinner that he was. Jesus looked past that. And he wanted to be a guest in his house. That had so much impact in the life of Zacchaeus that he made a decision right there and there to forsake all that he had, to turn away from the person that he was, the tax collector, a robber, a sinner that he was. And he said, I will sell my possessions and give to the poor. If I have cheated people of anything, please forgive me. I will return all that I have taken from them. Because he chose that day to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus said to him, on this day, salvation has come to your, to your house. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. Here is a man who used to be a chief tax collector, a sinner. But because of his eagerness, and Jesus 
coming to his level and, 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 and showing interest that he wants to be a guest at his house, this man had a turnaround in his, in his life. He caught that revelation and he received his salvation. Amen. Another account that I want us to look at is that of the Samaritan woman. I can we still write in Christ before, after. Okay, or others are making mental notes. Okay, John chapter 4. I love this story very much. John chapter 4. This is the story about the Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well when she went to draw water. Can we just read? We will read a couple of verses. But you can read the whole account. It's quite interesting. And it's, there's a lot of things that you can pick up from there. If we can read from verse 4. It says that Jesus was passing by with his disciples and he waited at the well and asked them to go and get food. From verse 4, we read in John chapter 4. Now he had he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sika, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, being tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well as it was about noon. So take note of that. The Bible says that when Jesus went to the well, it was around noonday. It was during the middle of the day. And the Bible, in, in other versions, it records that, and just the same as we understand, noon, around 12 o'clock during the day, that is the hottest part of the day. That is a time of the day where it is not nice to be walking around and being burned by the hot scorching sun and i'm hearing an echo what's happening okay but yeah um so jesus went to the wall the, to the well and it was around noon time just at that moment as the the samaritan woman came to draw water and jesus said to her will you give me a drink and his disciples had gone into the town to buy food the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Take note, it was around noon, the hottest part of the day. And now this Samaritan woman says to Jesus, But you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. And we know that the Jews and the Samaritans, they do not associate together. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? And then Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water 
welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. Do you see how the conversation changes? And she replied, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman said, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. The woman replied, uh, Jesus replied, Woman, believe, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for, the sal- for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And then just after that, the disciples came back and the woman, realizing who it was that was speaking to him, verse 28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritan came, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. Here is a woman who has a couple of things that are working against her. Number one, she's a Samaritan woman. She's from a nation that was despised, a nation that was not supposed to be seen associating with the Jews. Not only is she meeting up with a Jew, but she's meeting up with somebody of a high stature, somebody who is respected, somebody who is counted amongst the priests or the preachers, the teachers of the world, of the word. The Bible says that she came to draw water at the well at noon during the hottest time of the day. I read in Genesis 24, verse 10 to 11, you can note it. This is the account of Abraham's servant who went to go and look for a wife for Isaac. Remember he went and he prayed to God and said, God, uh, he went, he, he stood by the well and he asked God, he said that, 
a woman who will come and draw water from the well and give me some water to drink and give my camels, she will be the one that the Lord will have granted for my seventh son, for Isaac. Now the Bible says there in Genesis 24 verse 10 to 11 that the time was towards evening. And it records that this is the time when the women of the village used to come and draw water from the well. The norm was that people would come to the well and draw water during the time of the day when it was cool. But here we see a Samaritan woman who goes to the well during noontime, during an inconvenient time. She chooses that time because it is a time where not many people will be at the well. So you can see the Bible paints a picture here for us of a woman who is from a nation that was despised, a nation that was not supposed to be seen associating with the Jews, a woman who did not want to mix with other people, probably because of the insults that she went through, that she suffered, because of the discrimination that she could have experienced because of the person that she was. Not only that, we also see when Jesus begins to prophesy about her life and to speak to her about the type of life that she lived. He says that you have five husbands. You've had, you have had five husbands. And even the one that you are with right now is not yours. So there we already see that not only is this woman a Samaritan woman, a woman from a nation that is despised, a woman who does not want to associate with people because of that, but also because of the life that she lived. And probably it came with a label where people used to see her and, her and saw an adulteress, a person who stays with a man who does not, who is not, who does not belong to her. So this is somebody who must have been an outcast in the society and not treated well. But here she has an encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. A point in her life where her life is about to change. Jesus starts speaking to her. He offers her living water. Water from which if she drinks, she will thirst no more. She will no longer have to suffer the shame of hiding whenever she goes to seek the water. Of hiding from the rest of the women of the village whenever she goes to the well. Jesus speaks into her life and prophesies and he loses her from her sinful life when he prophesied about the lifestyle that she was living. He even reveals to her who God is because he says to her, you Samaritans are worshipping what you do not know but I have come to tell you about a God that is worthy of our worship. A God who seeks after the worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the God that you are to worship today. And after receiving all this news from Jesus and realizing that I have just had an encounter with the Messiah, the Savior of the world, she rushes back, she leaves her water jar and rushes back to her people. She does not only keep this great news that she has received, but she goes back to evangelize her town. And she comes back with them, having testified about this great news of Jesus that she has just had an encounter with. She brings back the town, and they come and sit and listen at Jesus, and they too receive their salvation. Hallelujah. So this woman, before she met Christ, she was a sinner, a woman not worthy to be associated with, 
but Christ comes into her life, there is a change that happens. Not only does she receive her own salvation, but salvation comes to her people through her. Hallelujah. That is an encounter with Jesus. Amen. The Bible also speaks of a sinful woman who anointed the feet of Jesus. Do we remember that story? We find this in the book of Luke chapter 7. You can read from verse 36 to verse 50. The Bible says that this woman was a sinful woman. And the, the village, the town where she was staying, people knew the kind of life that she lived. It's, it's amazing how the Bible records accounts of people who did not live right. And they did not live right openly. And people saw that and they were labeled as such. So if you can just start to think what type of life these people lived, especially during the time of the Pharisees where the law was emphasized and you had to live right and all of that. So you can imagine that this woman, her whole life she was an outcast, more the same like the Samaritan woman. She also comes into contact with Jesus. She does something that is different from what the rest of the people had done. Jesus was dining with his disciples and this woman comes to him and she had bought the bible says that she used her money to buy the most expensive perfume a jar of alabaster and then she comes with that she breaks open the bottle she pours it on the feet of jesus and she uses her hair to wash his feet that is the sign of worship a sign of love she was in awe of being in the presence of one as great as Jesus. All that she can think of doing is looking at herself as sinful as she was, coming into contact with Jesus. All that she knew that she had to do at that time was just to fall at his feet and worship him. And Jesus, seeing the love that she showed, seeing how condemned she felt she felt how bad she felt when she saw the type of life that she said that she lived I, I believe this was a point of repentance in her life jesus speaks this word words to her um luke 7 verse 36 when everybody else started shouting and saying to jesus if only you knew who is touching you and what kind of woman, woman it is that she is a sinner. Now the Pharisees were saying this so that Jesus, knowing that this woman is a sinner, she is not worthy to even come close to a man of God. He should just chase her away. But Jesus looked past what people saw. He saw a heart of repentance. He saw a heart of a woman who needed salvation. He saw a heart of a woman who said, I'm tired of the life that I'm living. I just want Jesus. I just want to have an encounter with Jesus and my life to be changed. Jesus says to her in verse 48, after he, he addresses the, the Pharisees and says to them, he gives them, them an account about two people who were debtors, one old much, one old little, and he said, if these two were to be forgiven, who do you think will rejoice the more. Who do you think um, will receive that the more? And they say the one whom 
has been forgiven for a greater debt. And then he says, therefore, in verse 47, therefore I tell you, this woman's many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven you. In verse 50, he says to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. I believe this woman, after having this encounter with Jesus, as she turned away, she walked back a different person. She walked back whole. She walked back forgiven. She walked back a restored woman. All the shame and the guilt, the condemnation received. All because of a repentant heart, the love and the worship that she showed unto Jesus. Hallelujah. A similar story is spoken of also in John 8, verse 1 to 11. That of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. This one I cannot even begin to imagine. The Pharisees, they bring her, they bring her to Jesus. The Bible says that she was a sinful woman. She lived a life of adultery, also a shameful life. She was caught in the act and they dragged her before Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He bends over, starts writing on the ground. And he says to them, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. The Bible says one by one, they dropped the stone and turned back. They walked away. And Jesus says to her, woman, where are your accusers? Who condemns you now? Because I, Jesus, the one who forgives sins, I do not condemn you. Right there, he, she received the forgiveness of sins. Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Hallelujah. She too, she also received, she, she had an encounter with Jesus and her life was never the same. She received forgiveness of, of sins and new life. That is John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Now, the one that I want us to read is Mark chapter 5. If you can read that for us, Oskuku. This is the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Are we still together? Amen. Amen. And we are writing. Amen. <laughs> um, Mark chapter 5, we can read verse 21 to 34. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can leave. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from, from many doctors and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. 
She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched my robe? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. Hallelujah. What a beautiful story. It doesn't start out well, but it ends beautiful. Here is a woman. You know, sometimes I, I think I, I, like I said, teaching Sunday school, it has helped to broaden my imagination also. I would read such scriptures and I'm trying to imagine the emotions, the feelings, how it happened, even think beyond just what is recorded here. Remember the, this account, it shows us what happened on that day. But we don't know what was happening for 12 years. Every single day, this woman waking up, going through this torment of this sickness that didn't want to leave her. And thinking back at the Old Testament, a person, a, a woman, if she was bleeding, she was not supposed to be around people. It was treated as something like your deity, you know. For some, yes, it would happen every now and then for a certain period of time and then your life is back to normal again. It will come again and life is back to normal. But, but for this woman, the Bible says for 12 years, she suffered with the issue of blood. For 12 whole years, she suffered like this. The Bible says she went to doctors without getting any help. She spent all that she had. Even her money was finished because she was trying to get the cure, trying to get better. And the Bible says instead of getting better, her condition grew worse. So I can imagine she was even feeling weak. Probably she could not move much. She could not be around people. And she hears of this Jesus who is passing by. Yet in the state that she's in, weak as she is, the crowd is pressing against Jesus. You can imagine the commotion, the loud noise, people pushing just to go and see Jesus, others pulling him, and probably he was right in the middle of the crowd. Here comes this woman, weak, her strength drawn out. She cannot 
go further but she just says in her heart she speaks faith not only does she speak faith but she puts action in her faith faith without works is dead she says if i can just touch him i don't even need him to speak a word over me i don't need him to touch me if i can just touch him she i believe she had heard of all the wonderful things the mighty things the miracles that jesus had performed and she had so much faith in this jesus that all the doctors that i have been to all the money that i have spent i think just imagine 12 years you go into doctors you're not getting healed you're spending all your money maybe you are even now indebted and then you hear of a prophet a teacher of the word who is passing by she does not say ish i've been there and it has not helped but she still had that hope she still had that faith and she presses on i can just picture her trying to make her way amongst the crowd maybe others pushing her others saying you don't even deserve to be here or that you know you will you 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 will defile jesus if you if you come near to him but she pushes she pushes beyond all that stood against her she pushes until she could just touch the hem of his garment i think it's even significant that she went for the garment i think probably she could not walk maybe she was even crawling because her strength was no longer there she touches the hem of jesus garment and the bible says Jesus feels what a power has left her. It shows how powerful and how full of faith that touch was. That it did something. It drew power out of Jesus. How many of us today that when we are in the presence of the Lord, we are worshiping God. Our hearts yearn so much for him that we want to touch him and draw power out of him and not just experience the emotions of it all but we say lord we want to touch you and power is drawn from jesus this woman touches jesus and he says hold on remember there's a loud crowd shouting pulling everyone wants jesus to heal them and also jesus mind is on going to heal the daughter of jarius is not even concerned about this but he is moved by this power that has just been drawn out of her he says to his disciples who has touched him and they think in strange hore but master there's so many people everyone is touching you and pulling you we can't know who he raised that touched you he says but somebody touched me because he felt that power leave him the woman comes realize and and note the bible says immediately when she touched him she was freed from her condition she was healed realizing what had happened she was shocked i mean 12 years probably others they promised would drink this after some time you will be well she drank it finished the medication finishes nothing happens maybe she waits okay maybe it will start to work after a while but it doesn't but here is jesus she touches him and immediately at once um her bleeding stops and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering and then when jesus kept on looking around to see who has done this the woman when she realized now what has happened 
fear now comes upon her. She's trembling. I think she's just in awe of what has happened. She comes forward uh, and Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. So this woman, because of her act of faith, she receives her miracle. She receives healing and she receives deliverance from her suffering. That is an encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another story that I love in the Bible is that of the blind man Bartimaeus. John chapter 9. You can read the whole chapter when, when you have time at home. It, it's also a fascinating story and quite a funny one also uh, because of what this man says later on. But I love this story so much. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you realize that I'm, I'm just bringing these scriptures that we all know. It's, it's the accounts in the Bible that we know, but I just want us to catch the significance of this encounter with Jesus. And like I said, as we're going through them, just think about your life, how you coming into contact with Jesus had made your life to be different from what it was. Um, blind Bartimaeus in John chapter 9, verse, uh, we will read a couple of verses here and there. This is like the, the story of the man who was born blind. As Jesus was passing with his disciples, verse 3, then after they asked, on, on verse 2, they asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They found it strange, horror, but why would this person just be born blind? Something wrong must have happened. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. But this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Um, Jesus then sees the man. And then he, the Bible says in verse 6 that after he said this, he spat on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. And then he said to him, go wash yourself in the, pool, in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and then he came back seeing. Now, everyone who knew the man, he was, the Bible says a man, not a young man, not a boy. So, Lena, a period of time has passed while he was still in that condition that he was in. From birth, he was blind, and the Bible says that the people, after he was, he was, his sight was restored, the people who used to see him begging, they were astonished, they were shocked, and they started asking each other, is this the man who was born blind, the one who's always begging? Others said, no, it's not him, it looks like him. Others said, no, it's him. You know, there was that confusion, people started doubting if, if indeed it was him. And he said, yes, it is, it is I. So people were amazed that how can this man whom we know all his life, he was born blind, how can he now be seeing? And when he tells them that I met a man called Jesus, he put mud on my eyes and then he told me to go and wash. I went and washed my, my eyes and now my eyes are opened, I can see. And 
when they asked him where is this man he said i don't know then they took him because they doubted his this healing they took him to the pharisees again the pharisees asked him tell us what happened he explains to them that i met jesus he put mud on my eyes and i washed and now i see and then the pharisees started arguing amongst themselves and with the men saying that this man is not from god for he does not keep the sabbath mind you this man was healed on the day on the sabbath and others were saying how can a sinner perform such signs verse 17 then they turned again to the blind man what have you to say about him it was your eyes that were opened the man replied he is a prophet they still did not believe that he had been blind so they now starting to think hmm maybe jesus is playing a trick on us is it true that this man was born blind then they called for the man's parents in verse 20 we know and then the parents say they they ask the parents was this man born blind how is he that he can see the parents reply in verse 20 we know that he is our son the parents answered and we know he was born blind but how he can see now or who opened his eyes we do not know ask him he is of age and he will speak for himself the parents said this because they were afraid of the jewish leaders verse 24 a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and they said to him give glory to god by telling the truth we know that this man is a sinner so this man all his life he suffered because he was blind i think maybe his family also did not have money or they cast him out i do not know but he not only was he blind but he was begging for money on the streets now jesus heals him instead of people rejoicing with him being excited about this miracle that has happening that has happened they doubting this healing he is taken from one person to the other being cross questioned you know about this healing the healing is doubted and instead of the man rejoicing and and just having this 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 joy about his sight being restored he is just being put through the misery of having to answer over and over again what has really happened to him and then in verse 25 after they said that now they they accusing him of even being a liar they say give glory to god by telling the truth we know that this man is a sinner he replies whether he is a sinner or not i do not know but one thing i do know i was blind but now i can see hallelujah and then they asked him what did he do to you how did he open your eyes this is the part that i said it's funny then he answers i think he was just getting tired of it I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you do you want to be his disciples too? So the argument continues over and over again and in the end um in verse 34 after the man says oh let's read 30 now that is that now the man answers now this is remarkable because they were saying only Moses 
uh, was a man of God and he's the only one who spoke of God and so on and so on. Then the man answered in verse 30. Now this is remarkable. You do not, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens only to godly persons who do and who do his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening of eyes, of the opening of eyes of a blind man. If this man were not from God, he could not have done this. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. So even after this, this miracle of, of, of his eyes being opened, they did not believe his, his healing and they chased him out of the synagogue. When you read from verse 35 going down, Jesus meets him after he was thrown out, after he was rejected and, and, and they just chased him away. And Jesus comes back and restores him back. And, and he then goes to the, the Pharisees and rebukes them for doing this to this man and for doubting the power of God that he has. So we see this man who was a, a, a beggar, a man born blind. He encounters Jesus. His sight is restored. His life is given back to him, a life that he never got to experience from childbirth. He is now able to see and feel like he's the same, like everybody else. His healing is doubted. He's even chased out of the synagogue for believing that Jesus is the Son of God, for believing that Jesus is the one who is able to heal. And then Jesus sees him and restores him, and he too receives salvation. Um, the last account that I want us to look at is that of Saul. Saul who then became Paul. His life before Christ. We see this in Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9. The Bible says that Saul used to persecute the church. He would go from church to church, town to town, and persecute all those who believed in Jesus. Um, can we read Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and to 3? And then also read chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. Yeah, chapter 8, 1 to 3, and then chapter 9, 1 to 2. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Saul, he did not believe in Jesus. And everyone who preached Jesus, who believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he persecuted them. The Bible says that he persecuted the church 
he even approved of the killing of Stephen. When Stephen was stoned, the Bible says that Paul, Saul, was also there and he approved of it. And we all know that they stoned Stephen because he preached Christ. Now, this is a man who hated the church with all, with all that he had in him. But then a moment happened in his life where his life changed dramatically. He too had an encounter with Christ. From when you read from Acts chapter 9, from verse 3 to 22, actually, just from Acts chapter 9, verse 3, all the way throughout the rest of the Bible, you will see how Paul changes from being Saul who persecuted the church to being Paul who preaches Christ and him crucified. We see this being a man who went from going around killing people and ordering for people to be killed in the churches to now being the man who plants churches. We see this being a man who felt that, no, but this Jesus, he's not the Messiah. Probably he was like those Jews who believed that this Messiah is still coming. Now we see him being a man who now goes and preaches Christ even to those nations which were believed to be not people of God. He is the one who preached salvation to the Gentiles. He even had a dispute with Peter about meeting with the Jews and the Gentiles, but that's another story for another time. So Jesus appears to him and he was struck with blindness. And then later on, Temu, uh, chapter 9, his sight is restored. He receives his salvation and his calling. And then he starts preaching Christ and planting churches. And he wrote so many books in the Bible that we are reading from today. And we are encouraged and built up. And Christ is revealed more and more in our lives. It is the same Paul who said in Romans 11, uh, verse 33. Can we just read this quickly? After he received this revelation that salvation is not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. That yes, it is first for the Jews and then the rest, they are like those branches that are engrafted or that are brought into the kingdom of God because of the grace and the mercy of God. Being astonished and amazed by this great revelation and, and power of God, he writes in Romans 10, from verse 33 to 36, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him glory and power forever. Amen. It is the same Paul who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I consider everything a loss, nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowledge, of knowing Christ. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now, having gone through all these accounts, and there are many more, if we were to read everything, but 
I wanted to bring this to us and just as a reminder that having an encounter with Jesus, it is, it is something powerful. Your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. A life without Christ is a life that is robbed of purpose. A life that is robbed of the will of God. A life that is robbed of getting to experience who God is in your life and what he wants out of your life. The Bible says that in Romans 5 verse 12, this is now, if you're still making the cross and Christ in our life before and after, this is now us. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Through Adam, sin and death reigned. This is now us before Christ. But when we come into Christ, the Bible says that we receive life through Christ. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10, it says, Without Christ, we were not a people of God. But with Christ, we are a people of God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people that are chosen for God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, We are a new creature, a new creation. Behold, all things, old things have passed away, and the new things have come. Amen. Romans 8 verse 1 says, When we are in Christ, there is no now, therefore, no more condemnation. Hallelujah. Saints, a life with Christ cannot be compared with any other. So I just want to extend this invitation to anyone who is in our midst who says, I also want an encounter with Jesus. I look at my life right now and I do not like what I see. Or I'm missing to have that experience that the people that you've just been sharing on, they had when they had an encounter with Jesus. Can I just say, if there is a person who says, today I want to make a decision and say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Won't you just lift your hand that we should pray with you and give you this opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. Do we have anyone who says, I want to know Christ, just like Paul who persecuted Christ and met with Christ and had this encounter with him and then started preaching Christ and him crucified. Do we have anyone who says, I want to be born again? Hallelujah. Do we have people who have had encounters with Jesus in this place? Hallelujah. Can we all stand up as we pray?